Hello and welcome to the Fan Team Focus Game Week 3 Review Podcast. My name is Sean, I can be found as FFThinker on Twitter and on this podcast we're going to be looking at the key stats from all the games in Game Week 3, looking at the 90 minute men, shots, shots on target and other key stats from the games. So first off we'll start at the Etihad and the Saturday lunchtime kickoff. It was Manchester City 5, Arsenal 0. Obviously a game swayed massively by the first half red card to Granite Xhaka. Manchester City had 25 shots, 10 of which were on target. Their 90-minute men were Jack Grealish, Ferran Torres, Ilkay Gundogan and Rodri. Their top point scorer from the game was, unsurprisingly, Ferran Torres, who scored 17.3 points. And for Arsenal, they had one shot, none of which were on target. The only 90-minute man was Emil Smith-Rowe. And he also was the top point scorer um, with 2.7. We'll delve more into the fixtures coming up as well as sort of the historical data um, from the first three games in the preview pod to game week four. Uh, just from sort of key takes from these two sides. Uh, currently, Ferran Torres, who I think is 7.1 in the game now, I think he's had a price increase. He's only at the time of recording 2.7% owned, which for a Manchester City asset is really low. Obviously, you're playing Pep Roulette every week. But given that Manchester City haven't signed a striker in the deadline, he could be a really good option going forward. From an Arsenal point of view, they've got a really good set of fixtures coming up, but it's whether or not you take the punt. Obviously, the red card had a massive effect on this game, but they've not looked too good in the previous two. Both Tierney and Saka have both had a price drop in the latest price changes, so it could be of interest. And in terms of ownership, Saka is only 1.4% and uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is only 0.7, so two massive differentials going forward there. Moving on to the next game, Aston Villa won Brentford 1. Aston Villa had seven shots, five of which were on target. Their 90-minute men were Buendia, Ings and El Ghazi. And their top point scorer from the day was Brendia, who scored eight points. And from a Brentford point of view, they had 10 shots, but only two of which were on target. Their 90-minute win were Canos, Tony and Norgard. Um, and again, Tony was the top point scorer with six. Now, season so far, Aston Villa have actually had the worst non-penalty XG, only of 1.43 in their three games. Ings is currently owned by 35.6% of the game. Their fixtures do take a turn now from game week four onwards. I think the next four are Chelsea, Everton, Man U and Tottenham. And also worth noting that both Buendia and Martinez, called up by Argentina, are going to be missing game week four. So that's obviously one to keep an eye on. From a Brentford point of view, Tony is still owned by 37.8%, obviously scored in this game. Uh, it's whether or not his attacking output is going to be consistent enough. Uh, but he is relatively cheap price. They've got a couple of good fixtures coming up in Brighton and Wolves. But then after that, again, their fixtures do turn playing Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea and Leicester. If we move on to Brighton nil, Everton 2. Uh, Brighton had 14 shots, three of which were on target. And their 90-minute men were Gross, Bissouma, Trossard and Mopai. Uh, and Trossard top scored with 3.5 points. And from an Everton perspective, they had 14 shots, five on target. And their 90-minute men were Alan, Richarlison, Townsend and Decore. And it was Seamus Coleman who finished top of the points with 9.3, mainly boosted by the fact he won the penalty um, and obviously kept a clean sheet for the team. Looking at the key stats, uh, Brighton, Gross had four crosses in the game, which is now 10 for the season, which is, I think, second or third overall. 
Sanchez, the keeper, is still owned by 48.5% of teams, which they've had a good uh, set of fixtures, but I do think that's re really high for what he's actually offering as an output. Uh, but their next five fixtures are still half decent. From an Everton perspective, uh, Calvert-Lewin is owned by 21% of the game. Uh, he's got a slight niggle now. He had a, a broken toe, I think, that he's been playing through, but he's withdrawn from the England squad with what looks like a thigh strain. So that, again, is another one to keep an eye on. But again, reasonable fixtures uh, in the short term for Everton. Moving on to Newcastle 2, Southampton 2. Uh, Newcastle had 10 shots, five of which were on target. Their 90-minute men were Almiron, Murphy, Sean Longstaff and St Maximan. And it was St Maxman that top scored with eight points in total. From a Southampton perspective, they had 22 shots, six of which were on target. Their 90-minute men were Adam Armstrong, James Ward-Prowse and Elanusi. And it was Elanusi who top scored with 8.8 .8 for the game week. Uh, in terms of sort of key stats, in terms of ownership, Newcastle, unsurprisingly, are quite well um, under-owned in the game so far. Uh, both Willock and uh, St Maximum are about 1.8, 1 1.9% owned. So it could be differentials for the price that they are. I think 6 and 6.5, maybe even 5.5 for Willock actually. So again, they're scoring goals quite freely. Um, Wilson potentially is injured again now. So whether or not the two of them can pick up the mantle is one to keep an eye on. From a Southampton perspective, uh, Elanusi had three shots on target in the game, which was the most of any player in the game week. For me, one of the biggest surprises when I looked at ownership across the teams was James Ward-Prowse. He's still only 3.2% owned. He's on penalties, as shown in the game on Saturday. Plays 90 minutes, so he gets that point every game. I just think he's a really great option at 6.5 million. Um, also, one to potentially consider is Adam Armstrong at 1.4. He is potentially one that you could move from Tony to, but their games are quite mixed uh, in the short term anyway for fixtures. Moving on to uh, Norwich 1, Leicester 2. So Norwich had 14 shots, four of which were on target. Their 90-minute men were Cantwell, McLean and Rashika. And their top point scorer was Pukki, who scored 6.4. From a Leicester perspective, nine shots, three on target. Their 90-minute men were Albrighton, Ndidi, Tielemans and Vardy. And Vardy top point scored with 10.7. From the sort of stats point of view, Pukey is 2.4% owned in the game currently, and they do have a good set of fixtures coming up. Arsenal was obviously meant to be a difficult one pre-season, but on the form they're in at the moment, is looks like a relegation six-pointer of anything, so that'll be an interesting one on the first Saturday back. And they follow that with Watford, Everton, Burnley and Brighton. Um, so they're not a bad option. Um, Gilmore at 4.5 seems to be decent as well. But there are quite a few at that price. Uh, Norgard is probably my preferential pick from Brentford. From a Leicester point of view, they've only actually put in three crosses this season, which when I looked at it, I had to sort of double check, which I find quite amazing. They've only had 23 shots as well, which is second bottom overall in the league. But again, game week five onwards, their fixtures do look good, but they just don't seem to be creating a huge amount. So I wouldn't be jumping in necessarily on any sort of Leicester attacking assets at the moment. We go to the two-all draw at the London Stadium between West Ham and Crystal Palace. West Ham had 14 shots, four of which were on target. Their 90-minute men were Antonio, Rice, Ben Rama and Suchek. And it was Antonio yet again who top point scored with 10. 
Uh, from a Palace point of view, they had nine shots, two of which were on target. 90-minute men were Ayu, Benteke, Sahar and Gallagher. And it was Gallagher who top point scored with 13, obviously had a couple of goals. From a notes point of view, West Ham still got good fixtures coming up in the near future. Antonio has had 16 shots so far this season, which is more than Salah and Mane. He has the highest non-penalty XG of 2.62. So he really looks as a player that could continue his form going forward. In terms of ownership, Fornells is only 2.4%. Obviously, a lot is being made of Ben Rama and Antonio, but I think Fornells is definitely one that's being missed out and under the radar. Although they have recently, um, on deadline day, signed Flasic. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits into that front four and who will make way. Will it be Fornells? Will it be Bowen, potentially? So that's one to keep an eye on. From Crystal Palace, they're just not showing a lot. As, as good as Gallagher looked in this game, they've had the fewest shots on target so far this season of five. So until they show a bit more, again, probably one to avoid with, I think, their highest owned player being probably Sahar at around the 2% mark. Moving on to the Saturday tea time game, Liverpool won, Chelsea won. Another game with a first half red card, this time to Reese James of Chelsea. Um, Liverpool had 23 shots, eight of which were on target. Their 90-minute men were Elliot, Salah, Mane and Fabinho. It was Salah who top point scored with 8.4. From a Chelsea perspective, they had six shots, three of which were on target. Uh, their 90-minute men were Mount and Lukaku. And their top point scorer was Havertz with six. Now, from a stats point of view, Liverpool have had the most shots on target so far this season at 25. They've also put in the most crosses, which is 27, 12 of which have come from uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. In turn of ownership so far, Jota is currently at 14.2%. Now, there are rumours swirling around Firmino. He went off injured in the Chelsea game just before half-time. And the injury status I've seen as is a couple of weeks to three to four months. So that's definitely one to keep an eye on because if Firmino is out, I think Jota... For me, at the price, and given the stats we talked about pre-season and his returns per 90 minutes, he becomes probably the most essential player in the game at 7.5. He would be straight into any team that I've got in the competition. Um, uh, currently, Robertson, obviously, has been out injured but came back for the Chelsea game. He's only 0.6% owned. So if you are looking for a slight differential in the Liverpool defence, I mean, personally, I would probably drop even further to... VVD or even Matip. I think Matip's five, Van Dijk is six. So there'd be a bit of a saving from Robertson there. But with that such low ownership, he's definitely one to consider as well. In terms of Chelsea, Lukaku's ownership is increasing all the time. It's currently 12.7%. I can only see that continuing to rise, especially when their fixtures take a turn in game week seven, I think it is. But actually, I think people need to bear in mind that game week five could be a good point to get on them as well. Um, they're going to be playing Aston Villa, um, who were going to be without Buendia and without Martinez. So they're struggling defensively as well, not creating a lot. I think that could be a game that Chelsea really go to town on. So that's one to bear in mind as well. Uh, going on to Sunday's games, Burnley won, Leeds won. Burnley had 12 shots, three on target. Their 90-minute men were Brownhill, Westwood, Wood and McNeil. And it was Wood that top point scored with 7.4. From a Leeds perspective, again, they had 12 shots, only two on target. 
Their 90-minute men were Bamford, Rafinha, Phillips, Harrison and Dallas. So pretty much all of their midfield and strikers played the full 90, which is always good to see. Uh, top point scorer was Bamford with seven. From a stats point of view, uh, Burnley have signed a couple of players in, on the transfer deadline day, which to Clarets fans must feel like Christmas has come really early because they hardly ever buy anyone. And they both look decent options as well. Um, I think you've got... I think it's Corne, um, who looks to be a midfielder. And also Connor Roberts from Swansea looks a very decent option. But again, you're probably not going to be touching anyone just yet. I think, for me, the main one I would be going for at Burnley would be Chris Wood, when they have a decent run of fixtures. He always returns, plays 90, so he gets that extra point. He would be on penalties, I suspect. Um, and he's 6.5 million, so he's definitely one to keep an eye on when Burnley have a decent run of fixtures. From a Leeds point of view, obviously, they've also signed uh, Dan James on deadline day. I don't know if he will be coming straight into the team or not. Um, and I don't really know how that will affect their front line. There's talk of Rafina then cutting inside to be the number 10 behind Bamford. So that could really enhance his his potential in the game going forward. In terms of ownership, uh, Jack Harrison is only 3% owned, which I think is quite low for the, the player that he is. They've got Liverpool in game week four after the international break. But then come game week five, again, their fixtures take a real good turn. So one to keep an eye on for Leeds. Moving on to the penultimate game, which was Spurs 1, Watford 0. Spurs had 15 shots, eight of which were on target. Their 90-minute men were Deli Alley, Kane, Huberg and Skip. And their top point scorer was Huming Sun at 8.7. And from a Watford perspective, they had nine shots, two of which were on target. Their 90-minute men were Dennis, Saar, Cooker and Atebo. And their top point scorer, interestingly, was Backman at 5.2. Uh, from a stats point of view, obviously Spurs have kept three clean sheets now. Um, all their defenders, including the keeper, have all increased in price. Um, Dyer has actually increased by 0.2. They've obviously kept three clean sheets. They've got decent-ish fixtures coming forward, but I do think... Their results have sort of flattered them slightly. I think Wolves should have beat them, really. Um, Man City were all over them the first game. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily be jumping in on the defence just from the fact they've had three clean sheets in the, the previous weeks. Uh, Harry Kane is only 9.8% owned. So he, again, if you want to get a run on, to, on uh, competition within mini leagues or the main competition, he's one to bear in mind. From a Watford perspective... Uh, Ishmael Assar is only 8% owned and he's one I'm considering given that their next three fixtures are Wolves, Norwich and Newcastle. So it could be some great potential from a Watford perspective there. Um, and they would be a team that I'd be attacking in the next three fixtures. The final fixture was Wolves nil, Manchester United 1. Wolves had 15 shots, 6 on target. Their 90-minute men were Jimenez, Moutinho and Neves. And their top point scorer was Trincao at 3.4. Manchester United had 10 shots, three of which were on target. Their 90-minute men were Bruno, Pogba and Fred. And their top point scorer was Varane with 9.3, who clean-sheeted and assisted the goal. Now, Wolves' perspective here in the stats, that I mean, they have probably got the best fixture run from game week four onwards. I, haven't, I don't think they've got a top six team for like the next 10 game weeks. So they're definitely ones I would be considering. They haven't scored a goal yet. They've only conceded one in each game. And for me, they've probably looked the better team in each of the three games. It's just whether they can get their shooting boots on, mainly looking at Adama Traore here, um, and really put to the sword the chances they've been getting. They've had 57 shots 
in their three games, which is only behind Liverpool and Man City. Jimenez has had 12 shots. However, only one has been on target. And all their defenders, um, except I think Semedo, are all under 2% owned. Which again, if you want to either put a late reg team in and maybe triple up on a Wolves defence, given that you're obviously making probably about 70, 80 points off first, that could be a good way in the short term to really try and jump the ranks. Um, so that's definitely one to consider. From a Manchester United perspective, they've got mixed uh, games coming up. I think they've got West Ham after Newcastle and Game Week 4, which is obviously a good fixture. They've got West Ham, Villa, Everton, Leicester, Liverpool, Tottenham. So not the greatest run, but obviously the big news uh, at Old Trafford in the last week has been that Ronaldo is back at Old Trafford, which has blown open multiple formats of fantasy football, um, which is really good. I think the template become a bit stale with sort of Salah, Bruno, mid-price forwards. I think this really blows it open. Do you do you go power three up top with Kane, Lukaku, Ronaldo? It it gives you so many more options and means people will diversify, which is. It's definitely good for the game. Thanks for listening to this short uh, pod regarding the, the key stats from the previous weekend's games. We'll be back next Friday with the game week four preview. So we'll be looking at the monster and digging into the prices for that and also looking at the potential teams you want to be putting in for the last chance at the late registration for the, the million pound contest for the official game. We'll also have some NFL content out in the next week as well, ready for the the launch of the new NFL season. So we'll be delving into the stats from the last season to try and get an idea of the best value picks and build our build our roster for the season. Swiss Mark will be back this weekend with his preview to the Dutch Grand Prix as well. And we'll have the usual blogs out looking at the Game Week 4 Monster when that's released to the middle of next week as well. So thanks again for listening. If there's any feedback that anyone has for any of the mini podcasts or anything else they'd like to hear about, whether it be football or other sports, by all means, DM us on Twitter and let us know what you as the community want to hear from us um, and we'll do our best to fill any gaps. So again, thanks for listening. Take care and see you later.